0: at you again. Full force, uncut, 100% Colombian pure pooling
1: I did not know we were going to Colombia today. I will get my sunscreen.
0: What happens is, Hunter, a lot of times people actually will take pooling and cut it with the Young Turks so it's no mm-hmm. longer pure and the high just doesn't get you where you want to go. But oh. This is the unfiltered, straight from the source, right. 100% Nicotine. pure Arabica.
1: Oh. Are we talking about coffee?
0: Carl Pulling. I we talked were... about cocaine. We talked okay. about coffee. Okay. And I'm pretty sure you said something <laughs> about tobacco. We basically covered the list of vices um, in descending order of severity, I think.
1: Right. Also, alcohol. Shout out to you. Shout great, out to, gr- shout great out to alcohol. <laughs> shout out to alcohol. Every
0: time I hear, can you guys tell that I was, I was uh, kicked out of a fraternity? Just kidding. I never pledged. I was kicked out. But for yeah. a totally different, not because I wasn't a member, but they did physically kick me out of the home. That's a fun story for another time.
1: Yeah, I um, can't remember that story off the top of my head, and I'm not going to make you tell it right now. I'll so, tell you the short that seems version. Good.
0: Me and an okay. ex were um, taking a tour of the house because I was, was she pretending. Short? No, because I was oh. pretending like I wanted to join so that they would give me a free hot dog. Right on. And then we got hot dogs lost on purpose then just. You know, flushed the toilet a bunch and just made a mess. It was, uh, I was stupid. At any rate. Nice. At any rate. Um, whenever I say shout out to anything, I feel like I'm watching Games Done Quick.
1: Right. Which okay. used to be
0: this really fun thing for like oddballs and out casts and misfits and stuff where they try and beat games as fast as they possibly can and raise money for sure. charity. And sure. now I can
1: beat super Mario Bros. in literally 13 seconds. Watch yeah. me do it. Dude.
0: Yeah. Now we, we might have to end up doing an episode about this, but now they are so uh, like leftist wackadoo. They put downs up on the screen constantly and they're kicking <laughs> a bunch of people out for like seriously old tweets and things that they've said on stream and like insane, really dude. catty and really aggressive.
1: We we could do that. I actually just. Re- I don't know if you're familiar with it, the boss fight book series. I actually mm-hmm. really enjoy it. It's just like they're based, Think about it like the pocket-sized book on video games, and they all and they just do like classic ones. So like Final Fantasy's in there. Uh, oh shoot, uh, Shadow of the Colossus is one. Mega Man's one, and they just do like these quick little hits on them. One guy actually did an entire book on Galaga. And he didn't have chapters, but he had the stages, and every stage was a chapter, and he went through all the way through stage 250. And that's how he broke up the book, and it was such an interesting idea. Really cool stuff.
0: That is really cool.
1: But the last guy who... The one I'm reading right now is on Red Dead Redemption, and it is the most political nonsense i've ever read in my entire life like i'm like this is a game about being a cowboy and shooting people in the head a lot why why are politics coming into this this is basically
0: a love letter to toxic masculinity what did you
1: think you were gonna find yeah it's like this is a guy that that likes loose women chews tobacco and shoots people (laughs) and robs trains and it's like what is going on Anyway, um, I, don't really, I don't really mind politics in games. I just find it obnoxious that it has to be there all the time. Yeah. What the heck is this show? So
0: this show is a discussion yeah. about whatever you want. Art, That's right. philosophy, religion, science, politics, and apparently video games. Uh, <laughs> it, it's held between two brothers. I, myself, Chris, uh, the younger brother... Some Thank might you. say the youngest brother, yeah. But it wouldn't be necessary because there's only two of us.
1: That's right. We never had the third brother, and or did you, we,
0: Hunter? It's uh-huh. a family secret. We promise not <laughs> to talk about Kevin. It's true, Kevin. Kevin,
1: the Kevin, the middleest brother.
0: Yes, and uh, yeah. Hunter, my older slash oldest brother. Uh, it yeah. used to be recorded in the moving cab of a 2010 Honda Civic, black, gray interior. I would, the I would bin. say. I wouldn't call it gray interior. I would call it stained. Like, if I had to choose only one descriptor, it would be a stained
1: interior. A stained gray interior. Yes. (laughs) Like, Um, it's just gross. And cloth. Who has cloth seats? Me, apparently. Yeah. And my new car has cloth seats, too, so I'm not moving up in this world. It's all cloth seats from here on out. (laughs) I've
0: I've got cloth seats in my car, too, because... uh, Oh, do you? Yeah, because I'm just a, a young professional. But they Ooh. have racing stripes on them, so it's like oh, man. it'll work out. Um, That's okay. At any rate, hey Hunter, I gotta start the show off with an apology.
1: Okay, please. Whatever uh, it whatever it is you did to me, I accept.
0: Yep. Well, <laughs> we'll talk about this <laughs> after the show. Um, okay. As long as you don't find the object before then. Uh, the <laughs> <laughs> this is why the show needs to be a video because the hunter's face when I sent the object was uh it well it was worth a thousand words at minimum that was its starting price
1: we'll get there there'll be a stretch goal on our patreon you guys pucker up or or whatever whatever.
0: maybe we'll need one soon um some big news happening in the world of carpooling we broke our all-time high for daily subscribers uh yesterday which is pretty awesome considering we're only two episodes back into season two and in addition to that we might have some uh some cross-promotion, and some, dare I say, sponsorship opportunities in the near future. Dare I say? Dare I say. Dare I say. Dare. Mm. I do mm. dare. I just I d- dared. And so I, I did I, dare.
1: I double-dog dare for you. So that's that's what I'm here for.
0: Look, how many dogs can this dare possibly sustain? Um, okay. Uh, just getting to
1: Excel here real quick.
0: Write <laughs> a quick formula. Um, but... <laughs> In all of the hubbub and excitement over the past week around Carl carpooling, I was looking at some of our metrics, and I don't know if it was last week. I think it was last week when we were talking about where do we go if we have to leave the United States, and oh, you okay. said New Zealand, and I said, uh, no, I hate New Zealand. Those people are crazy, and the spiders have mortgages, and <laughs> the hedgehogs aren't even blue. I can't remember exactly what Yeah, what, what I is said. up with that? But, yeah, it, look, hedgehogs are blue or black. Yep. But that's only the synthetic yeah. ones. And then echidnas, the cousin to the hedgehog. Do only you ever read. get
1: scared? Do you ever get like nervous when you're about to say, and can. <laughs> I,
0: I, echidna? Because yeah. you want to say echinida or whatever?
1: Echinitis or whatever it is that wants to come out of my mouth that so, I
0: can't ever say. Look, here's the apology. Let me just get it out because you know I hate yeah, doing yeah, yeah. this. Yeah, 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 yeah. I dunked on New Zealand effortlessly <laughs> and that's that's on new zealand don't make it that easy but the part that's on me is i did not realize that as far as total subscribers new zealand is our second strongest showing behind the united states
1: oh they, uh, is that by population
0: no see that's the thing hunter is that these kiwis are wild about us that's total numbers okay oh, wild okay so if you adjust for population
1: is i th- ran the first
0: yeah, Iran, <laughs> they, <laughs> they love us. They just put the no AirPods doubt. under the burqa. Um, oh my God! And no one has to know that they're they're dissenting. Correct. At yeah. any rate, uh, no. But the U.S. is first, obviously. Um, but if you adjust for population, New Zealand mm-hmm. has like 13 people in it, and so <laughs> what I, I what I'm trying to say is I think every individual in New Zealand listens to carpooling.
1: Oh wow. Wild okay. about
0: us. We're basically a national treasure over there. Nice and so Us and
1: Fly to the Concords.
0: Yeah. It's pr- practically us and Brett and Jermaine. And I think Brett and Jermaine would hate us. Not positive, but I have this pretty, feeling.
1: I'm pretty positive that you're positive about that. You're just lying to everybody. I'm pretty sure they would hate us.
0: You know what? Jermaine might not. Okay.
1: Because we could Brett, we could ask him.
0: Brett Kind of went and did all his, like, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda chumminess. And okay. Jermaine went and recorded What We Do in the Shadows. And I feel like What We Do in the Shadows is, uh, I think that comes out of the the brain of a conservative. I hate to pry, but I think it does. Uh,
1: Interesting. Okay.
0: At any rate. Uh, so what can I say other than I'm sorry for dunking on you and your terrible country. We're sorry. I really should stop talking about it until I come visit, but there's not enough bug spray in the world.
1: They probably won't let you in. They're like super COVID protected at the moment. Maybe yeah. that's what it is. Everybody's super like bored.
0: Four cases. See, this is why I dunked on you because you got like four cases and you're shutting down schools,
1: dude. But they have like no COVID. Everybody wants to have no COVID right now, and that is New Zealand, which is like that's actually pretty cool. Like,
0: uh, yeah, I mean, I hear you. So they're just saying like, oh, two more weeks and we'll be number one at something. I yeah. can understand that mentality.
1: <laughs> can't play basketball. I should really look and see if they have a good basketball team before I make that comment. But I'm going <laughs> to safely assume that they can't. Look, Hunter, I, so.
0: I don't I don't think I'm going at it on a limb without researching it to say that I'm pretty sure that the uh Kiwis have never won the Olympic basketball gold medal.
1: I'm pretty sure you're right. Like I do want to That's s- a
0: no Google on that I one. Do wanna, I do
1: want to I do want to say little little New Zealand boy. If that's your dream. Dream it, and that. Look into my fire, red hot, smoke eyes when I say that, full of smolder.
0: Yes. Dream it. Dream it.
1: That's pretty if good. If you want to go should...
0: Iverson with the Kobe's and LeBron with the D- James Wades. Oh.
1: Okay. I'm running out of basketball.
0: You do that. References. Look, go gals. Go to Yao Ming, wow, yeah <laughs> yeah uh, that's Scotty Pippin, I say, I say the way that that Larry bird does the flick throw it just it tickles all of my right giblets, no, so no. at any rate, uh but yeah, roll up an echidna, go to a, a hidden cove and practice your dunking. um they Maybe love even to dunk kinda. they love to roll up, mm. Uh, mm. Robotnik mm. did it constantly, okay, nice, enough with this insanity.
1: Enough with this insanity.
0: Apology over. You guys got more than you deserved, uh, but also thank you for listening, New Zealand. It's nice to know we have friends in literally low places.
1: Oh wow, that's a, that's a that's a north south joke. That's a hemisphere joke. Good that's job. Right. Tell you know, tell, the, tell us tell us southerners they don't have any place here. Man, it feels good to say that. <laughs> it feels really good to say that. <laughs>
0: okay, Hunter, give me the uh, roadkill before my prescription wears
1: off. Right. Um, so this is a juicy one. I know you're going to love this one. Uh, so this one comes from I'm us. am going to cut you great... off right
0: there, Hunter, because I just want folks to know that today our roadkill, we're starting a new thing. I found a roadkill for once. And what? now we are actually what? going to be introducing roadkill inception.
1: This and is my bit.
0: Yep. And so Hunter and I were talking about how I was going to handle that without him. And, at any rate, we came up with it's a, uh It is a possum roadkill. Today, the roadkill is specifically possum themed because you've got the greater possum roadkill. But mm-hmm. one thing that you might not know is possums are marsupials that uh, finish their gestation period in a small pouch where they nurse their young. And in okay. this roadkill, Delicious. Hunter's going to take the main marsupial roadkill. And then I just got a tiny dead baby a- roadkill.
1: Oh, no, in it's savage.
0: Oh, no. cuz the car hit mom but the oh. pou- the shockwave generated in the pouch. Oh. It's like the movie uh the Valkyrie when they were trying to throw the hand grenade into the sealed bunker it just right. it rattled it rattled the poor baby possum's circuits. So wow. two for the price of one.
1: Two two for one. Um have I ever told you the story about the marsupial that invaded my home space? Mm-hmm. My sacred my sacred zone. <laughs> <laughs> Hunter, so Hunter,
0: Hunter. Yeah. I need you to be talking
1: about a house. I am so badly. I am definitely talking about my house okay. and not my other sacred zone. That is not a house. Poo-wee. All right, <laughs> I'm not gonna tell that story. That's 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 a stretch goal. If you want to know, <laughs> God, I hate. I, I hate. I said it's Stretch goal. Anyway. <laughs>
0: Thank you, that's been carpooling. <laughs>
1: Thank you. This show is over. Um well Good Lord. On, to, on to the onto the onto the proper Mama Marsupial. Okay. I know this one is gonna be close and dear to your heart. Um this one comes from the city of Brotherly Love, Philadelphia itself.
0: Mm, where the sun Philly- always is.
1: Correct. I'll just read you this headline real quick. Um Philly leaders and police want residents to turn in their guns and a new campaign to combat violence.
0: Great. So Glad to see our dedication to data and science is going so well.
1: Well, let me offer you with this problem, and then I'll give you the solution, and then you'll see that it's brilliant. All right. Violent crime in Philadelphia is going up, like, 28%
0: like it right? is in in many Democratic run cities across the United States go on
1: right 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 and so what I want you to do the citizenry to reduce that violent crime is to give me Papa State your guns right so that so that you won't shoot each other with them
0: right <laughs> right right I so mean let me just put it together if I can. Okay. Okay. There's a bunch of people not following the law. So what okay. we should do mm-hmm. is we should address those people and make a policy reliant on their self starterism. Right. we should we should encourage them, the folks that don't like to follow the laws. Mm-hmm to self-police and agree with the state who's the one who enforces the laws in order to reduce violent crime, while simultaneously letting criminals know, these, these people upon whose better angels we are praying, mm-hmm. that they will meet a decreased amount of resistance when they plan to commit violent crimes.
1: Well, I when you put it like that, it sounds like a horrible idea, but I want to remind you that I'm not just asking the criminals, you know, to turn in their guns. I'm actually asking for the citizenry to report their fellow citizens and turn in their guns, and I won't even punish them for that. Wait, so, there's really, they're really encouraging <laughs> yes, you to turn in yes, your neighbors? Yes, they're saying, go through your house, find all the handguns, even the ones that don't belong to you, and turn them into the state. So this is actually just theft. It's just theft. It's just theft. Please steal from your family and give us the, give us the, us, them, guns. That's well, them. -er? Okay. Whatever. Here's the thing. Uh huh.
0: I've got guns. I don't have children. I leave them around the house. They're not going to do me any good locked away. And I don't have any children over to my house ever because I never took a trip on the Lolita Express. More to come on that later. But um, at any rate, uh, so I, I, I've got, like, I have two guns in eyesight right now, just in case. If anybody ever tried to pick up my guns while I wasn't home <laughs> and turn them into the government, they would learn that the number of guns they think I have is X, and the number of guns I do have is X plus one. Right. And the secret gun the secret gun would be used in an attempt to um to retaliate against them yeah i have yeah, rubber, I know. Uh, you know normal citizens can get rubber bullets too um Ooh, at any rate fancy uh don't mess with people who own guns because i guarantee you i'm not the only one with special secret gun
1: <laughs> what, what is special secret guns name
0: i keep it hunter in my sacred spot or whatever he said <laughs> sacred zone <laughs> sacred zone zone um, is a lot
1: worse than spot for this some reason is,
0: this is an idiot idea from an idiot legislator in an yeah. idiot state the end yeah the end. okay you ready for the baby marsupial
1: give me that pouch
0: the daily mail over in the uk today released pictures of uh, Bill Clinton getting a back massage while on a trip with Epstein from one of Epstein's accusers.
1: Oh, thank God. I thought you were going to say Hillary Clinton. <laughs> that would be truly <laughs> heinous, huh? No, and apparently, it's, that's I'm, gross. I'm
0: joking about this because uh, the individual who administered the massage said that Clinton acted like a gentleman. Apparently, there was no foul play or anything okay. she's not claiming any of that so i'll take her word for it um okay until enough. proven otherwise but there is there so it's funny but also like incredibly it's so bill clinton and yeah. then i did not have sexual relations with that woman it's like dude right that like, level of yeah if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck and preys upon severely younger women like a duck. It's probably it's Bill Clinton. It's probably Bill Clinton. <laughs> um, yeah. So, anyway, uh, I Gross, don't know dude. if we'll ever know the final count of Juanita Brodericks in the world, but that's a disgusting, disgusting man. Um, yeah. And, and no he, he also lied about the number of trips he took on the Lolita I was looking into some of that on my research said he took like between two and three trips between 2003 yes. and 2004. And it turns out it was like 26. Right. So, yeah. I don't know if you had nothing to hide, why you wouldn't just say the same number. And if it was a bunch of QAnon dope heads that were like, um, you know, Oh, it, it's 20, you know, it's, it was 26. And he said it was 24. I'd be like, okay, I'd make that mistake. But like, sure. 26 is way different than two or three like
1: it's an order of magnitude different. That's yeah. what I was going to say. It's kind of oh, hard.
0: Really? It's kind of hard to <laughs> leave, you know, 23 on the cutting room floor.
1: Right, yeah. I just rate, forgot.
0: <laughs> I just got busy playing this trumpet, and just kind of lost myself. You guys want to hear some jazz? Uh, <laughs> so at any rate, let's uh let's move on. Those are two dead marsupials for you and one of them I'm... a young child.
1: Uh I think I got a new Bit for the show.
0: Yeah, hit me, because I was about to make a really good joke at the expense of, of leftists, but if you want to go ahead.
1: <sighs> Crud, I feel terrible. Okay, I wanna, hold on, we'll do mine okay, and go. then do yours. Okay, okay. so I'll, I'll go first.
0: Yep. <laughs> <What>?
1: <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, tell your joke.
0: I was just going to say, I am hoping that the dead baby marsupial is a reach across the aisle to our pro-abortion friends in the left camp. Mm. The, that's my hope. Uh, that mm. we're really building bridges over here with Carl Pooling thinking about small dead things.
1: The end. Okay. That was so sweet. Thanks. That was so kind of you. Um I wanna do a new segment of the show where I pick a president and then you try and guess what musical instrument they play. <laughs> oh so that.
0: Okay, let's do one right now. I love that idea. Okay.
1: Okay, well since he's on the since he's on the brain, let's start with Bill Clinton. Well,
0: I already said trumpet.
1: Ah oh, lame. Okay, what what <laughs>
0: I'm not cha- I can't what? change my answer it's, I mean saxophone
1: Yeah that's what I was going to say I thought you said saxophone Okay what instrument does Trump play?
0: Trump plays uh, It's
1: literally in the name
0: the, No it's not Because okay, Trump actually plays one of those He plays one of those children's books Where you change the arrow <laughs> on the front And it makes the noise of the animal you point it to <laughs> That's the musical <laughs> instrument that Trump plays The cow says that's really good it's like terrible because there's like four kilobytes of memory on that chip (laughs) all right that was fun we'll do one president every week i love this idea. right
1: we'll be done in a fortnight okay i can't wait till we get to calvin coolidge okay
0: (laughs) oh what a fun game hunter good idea what a what a fun game
1: all right uh on to the show yeah christopher before we get to the meat of it i got a little something for you hit me Do not go gentle into that good night. Old age should burn and rave at close of day. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Though wise men at their end know dark is right, because their words had forked no lightning they. do not go gentle into that good night. Good men, the last wave by, crying how bright, their frail deeds might have danced in a green bay. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Wild men who caught and sang the sun in flight, and learned too late they grieved it on its way, do not go gentle into that good night. Grave men near death, who see with blinding sight, blind eyes could blaze like meteors and be gay. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. And you, my father, there on the sad height, curse, bless me now with your fierce tears, I pray. Do not go gentle into that good night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light.
0: What a masterwork. That is such a good poem by itself. Really good. And obviously today we're talking about uh, a film, and that film is not Gravity with Sandra Bullock.
1: Oh, crud, I watched the wrong one. (laughs) Crap. (laughs) Crap. It
0: is Interstellar, the far superior film that came out uh, just, just before Gravity. This movie, we wanted to talk about it for a couple of reasons. We wanted to talk about it because it's a, a real thinker. It's a movie that gets better the more you know about science, for sure. Right. And it definitely has this interesting intersection at one point between the idea of a, a super fourth-dimensional being and humanity. That's really kind of beautiful. Bizarre. And I think... I think they did a fantastic job at representing that non-Euclidean geometry in a 3D space. But not only that, it, it if you can extrapolate some interesting things about that and then apply them to a super fourth dimensional being that you believe in, I'm talking about God, I think that perhaps they've given us the best physical, visual representation of just how strange and how bizarre and how eldritch and how different a god might be compared to us.
1: Interesting. So there's a I, lot of I cool like that ideas perspective.
0: there. But let's, let's not go that deep just yet. Yeah. That poem. Tell us a little right bit on. about that poem in the movie and, uh, and why it was so impactful. Because it just like every time they would quote from it, it's just a sledgehammer.
1: Right, yeah. So that poem is mostly referenced by Michael Caine. Uh, throughout the movie, his character is uh, Professor Brand, and this is a really good poem because there is there, this poem has like a little bit of a, a harsh intent to it, right? Mm-hmm. And the poem is all is like about you know when you, when you're down for the count, you know all the rules go out the window. You right. know at the end at the end it's death, and so brand it's we'll probably get into really leans into that harsh bit of it. And like, we're not going to die. We're going to hold on for everything we got and we're going to rage and we're going to do everything at our disposal to make it, you know, what, whatever it takes, we're going to, we're going to go for it. It's kind of like his arc, but right. I think it's, but I think that same spirit fills our protagonist in a noble light. Absolutely. And, and I think, and I think, uh, I think the poem inter, Kind of intersects with that a little bit. I don't think it ever separates the two completely. That's kind of the tension. Uh, who wrote this poem? Um,
0: I thought it was TSL- Dylan Thomas, uh, but it's not Dylan
1: Thomas. Okay, no, Dylan no, Thomas. it's Dylan Thomas. So, and, and, and I don't think the poem ever resolves that. But this movie is almost a resolution of that. Of that, like you know, and we'll get into this too. It's a little bit of what Anne Hathaway's character says about love too. Right. And there's like this. There's this tension in this movie between. Um, what I think you would call it survival and um, survival with meaning, if that sort of makes sense. Absolutely.
0: So, uh, okay. And I want to get into all that. Obviously, this movie's old. I think it came out in 2013, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, 14. 14. Okay. However, uh, the, we, are, we are going to spoil the mess out of it. So if you haven't seen it, and it's one of those movies, in my opinion, that you really don't want to know what's going on. From the get. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say if you haven't seen it, make sure to uh, to uh, put this episode on pause. Go do so immediately. But leave this running so that it uh, increases my play count metrics, which is what I... Uh, uh, like a Live. dragon sits upon a pile of gold. I, too, sit upon a pile of how many how many numbers People listen I to see my voice. When, I, when I look at our analytics. Wow. Um, so anyway let me set the stage a little bit so this movie is about yeah, kick us off. it's about earth that an earth that is dying and it doesn't tell us exactly what happened it hints at it a little bit it's obvious that there was some kind of war there's uh some advanced at the beginning they introduced some advanced uh, aircraft from china i believe that was used in some kind of some kind of attack it was some kind of militarized drone and right. the main character uh, who is played by the, Matthew McConaughey. The gorgeous Matthew McConaughey. Oh, uh, wow. Takes it and tries to repurpose some parts from it. So apparently there's a war, but the net is that there is, the planet has basically dried out. There's huge dust storms and they're very caustic to people's lungs and... Uh, it's referred to as the blight. The blight, yeah. And and then there's a, like a sickness that comes along with that. Um, yep. So very interesting. And and it's affecting all the crops. Right, uh,
1: we're losing okra, we're losing different things. We corn, form, and eventually that corn actually becomes the only crop that people can grow. Right,
0: and and so they're they're planting these uh these crops, almost just delaying the inevitable, when Matthew McConaughey's daughter. And I'll give you a dollar if you can remind me his name in the movie. It was just Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway for me the whole time. Cooper. Cooper. So Cooper's yeah. daughter starts talking about this ghost, and yep. the ghost is doing things like pushing uh, book books off the shelf
1: and uh, causing dust to fall into certain patterns. So um, I'll tell you knocking one her toys thing. off.
0: Uh, I got. I figured it out. Almost three minutes into the movie. Um, oh, did you? I did because she was you at the very beginning. She's scribbling in her notebook and she's writing um, what I recognized to be binary. Uh, I knew it was binary or Morse. These patterns of lines. And mm-hmm. then when they pushed the when the showed that books were getting pushed off the shelf, I realized it was the same pattern. And so right. I, I just assumed that it was her father, who was a scientist in the war and an engineer, taught her this these codes. And so I just had this assumption. Uh, so I paused the movie because I, I hadn't seen it before, but both the people I was watching it with had. I paused it right. and I was like, oh, that's Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> they were like, excuse me? <laughs>
1: so anyway. That's so funny. I actually, I too had that moment, but I think I had it spoiled for me. Like I can't remember exactly who told me what happens in that movie, um, but I'm Almost positive that someone told me that he like leaves and time travels, sees his daughter, and and so it was like I, I don't know how much of it I already had like fed into my subconscious. Essentially, gotcha, so, gotcha. Anyway, yeah,
0: I, I knew that it was about um, I knew that it was about special relativity, but that's okay. about all I, I knew going in. Um, gotcha. But of course, that had me thinking singularities and super, uh, you know, special dimensions and time travel, etc. Sure. Um, so. I was probably front loaded a little bit as well as what I'm trying to get at. So anyway,
1: ah, okay.
0: You see these strange things happening, and eventually they figure out that the dust uh, that is being manipulated by the quote ghost has settled in a binary code on the floor that betrays some uh, some coordinates, latitude and longitude. They mm-hmm. drive to the location of the coordinates, um, McConaughey and his daughter, and right. they figure out an old Nor- they find an old NORAD facility that is the new underground hideout of NASA because right. NASA can't be, you know, the government can't even feed its people. They can't be telling folks that they're spending money, sending rockets to outer space. There was just no appetite for that.
1: By the way, this is like such a, so one thing for me and Christopher Nolan films, you're not allowed to look away, yeah. right? If you look away for a minute, you, you lose the entire plot and you're just struggling the entire time. So if you, if you're in for a Western or a superhero movie, not don't watch Nolan movies. Um, the other thing I think is like Nolan does this thing where like he has such really good storytelling and such good characters that sometimes get eaten by his plot. This moment when they come to the NASA facility is just brilliant. It's this uh it's the threshold moment, right? It's where the hero decides to go into the underworld. Right. And like it's so good because Matthew McConaughey drives up to the gate and or Cooper, he turns to his daughter Murph and he goes well, there's a gate here, Murph, and she said, and immediately she says, "Don't you have bolt cutters?" And he goes, "That's my girl." He gets out, he takes the bolt cutters, and he goes to clip the fence. And right as he makes the first cut, he's immediately blinded by a monster, which is exactly what happens when you come to the threshold—is you're met by the guardian of it. Right, and it's just so good, and it's like, it, if you're just watching it, it's just what happens in that movie. But the storytelling here is just phenomenal so
0: anyway Christopher Nolan is not only a brilliant storyteller but he is a he's learned in the art of uh, the hero's journey for certain you see it all over his movies and in addition to that he is he especially you can see in this movie um, I think there's a couple other really important thinkers like I would say Inception uh, that, that let you know that he's also very learned in his topic he did not he did not write yeah, this movie sure. in a vacuum, um, at least without studying some some scientific concepts. Because even the quantum mechanics, like I mentioned on the show before, they, they guessed at some quantum mechanical discoveries that hadn't been finalized yet at the time the movie was written and got it right. right. And in addition to that, um, it was spot on. There was a couple liberties taken, but a lot of the stuff was, was exactly right and really made you think um, – not just like oh, what if laser swords were real, like some of the softer science fiction, but really crunchy stuff. Like oh yeah, what if I do get too close to a black hole, and mm. you know, three hours for me is decades for somebody else, and that's a, that's an actual reality of the universe that we find ourselves in. So it's a really wow. interesting concept. At any rate, he meets well, actually re-meets Michael Caine, um, right at the at the facility and we learned that he was like the best pilot that nasa had and that of course they naturally right (laughs) they want him (laughs) to go that was the only
1: part of the movie where i kind of went okay yeah
0: okay yeah you know i mean they did lay the background but that definitely
1: seemed like make up a reason for him to go to space please um, right. It Yeah, it did. Like Michael Caine and him walking and looking at the spaceship and he's just like, you're the only one that can fly. You were going to fly without me anyway. But we didn't know you were alive. Right, it's just like... Yeah. So convenient. <laughs> um, yeah. But actually, maybe not. Right. That's the other thing. It's like, on its face, it looks like bad filmmaking. But as you go through the plot, it actually is meant to be. Yeah. If that sort of makes it sense. It could be brilliant. Yeah, we'll get so, there. So, anyhow...
0: Yeah. Um. They they uh, recruit him, and he leaves his family, and Murph is all sad, and she won't talk to him. And he goes off to space, and they start this mission, because what you find out is basically a couple years before McConaughey rides up to the facility, they had found a wormhole in space, which is this idea that you have... Effectively, the third and fourth dimensions folded across the fifth dimension, just like if you have a perfectly flat piece of paper and you put a crease in it, now you're dealing with a three-dimensional object because you added depth to an object that before only had length and width. Uh, if, you're talking about, if you're talking about a fourth-dimensional cube, which you can actually visualize kind of easily as far as its shadow would be concerned, you know, projected onto... Uh, a two-dimensional surface. If you're dealing with a fourth-dimensional cube, and you imagine you took that and folded it, you know, uh, we can't really even imagine folding a three-dimensional cube. Um, but if you project a three-dimensional cube onto a piece of paper, like you used to draw that three-dimensional cube, where you'd start with a square and then you draw diagonal lines behind it, you could right. very well imagine how you could fold that cube um, through a third dimension. Well, the same is true for a fourth dimensional cube. This idea that you can, you can, uh, uh, fold a fold a shadow of a fourth dimensional cube up through the fifth dimension, which would give you this strange instance where you could jump between space and even potentially time via traveling to a single point. It's effectively a place where the three dimensional fabric of the universe meets a separate location of the three dimensional fabric of the universe. Um, so they really nailed that idea. And I really loved the visuals there. This is one of the places where I thought it was very interesting because although we suspect that there are wormholes in the universe, we've never taken a picture of one, obviously. And the way right. they represented this was it was a small visual distortion uh, that looked just like a pathway to uh, a different place in space. And in theory, that's how they would look. You know, it's, the, it's this... Um, I think the way that explained it in the in the movie was very similar to the way that uh, Madame Langle describes it in in a Tesseract where or a wrinkle in time, rather, where you fold a piece of paper and then punch a hole through the
1: piece mm-hmm. of paper with the pencil. He does. He does that. The one of the actors, he literally takes it and punches it.
0: Yeah, that's a great way to think about it. It's just a hole. And on the other side of it, you see, you know, a different place in space and time. Uh, right. really interesting concept. I love the way they visualized it. And while they're going through, there's this weird, there's weird distortion in space time and a hand reaches in and like gives a handshake to uh, Anne Hathaway. And they start realizing that Dr. Brand, Dr. whatever they start realizing okay. that. Oh yeah. She's, she's, uh, she's Michael Caine's daughter as well. Correct. Cause every, yep. The, yep. you know, NASA a classically incestuous organization. Um, and so, at any rate, I mean it in the more benign sense, Hunter. Don't give me that look. At any yes. rate, yeah, yeah, uh, they, <laughs> they're they like, oh, it's them, the people who opened the wormhole, the people who called us here, but they don't know who that is, right? Right. So anyway, they travel through. Um, I'm skipping ahead a little bit. Two years before, two or three years before, they had sent several missions, individual missions through the wormhole to go investigate yeah. different planets that were potential planets. Uh, for sustaining human life. And so they mm-hmm. sent some astronauts there and were collecting samples back through the wormhole to ascertain whether one of these planets
1: could, could be moved to. And so they had, they were essentially sending data back to earth saying like, Hey, the planet you sent me to that we thought was good. Turns out it's just a desert and I'm going to die here. So, or it was, Hey, planet is great. It's got water. It's got oxygen. It's got not predators. Right. You know, basically just these reports. Um, and then I think, if I remember correctly, not all that information was getting through. Mm-hmm. But when they get to the other side of the wormhole, they find it all stored on a station. And so now they're able to look at these explorers who went, I think there were 12 of them, and start picking through the world going, uh, well, they said this one was good. Let's go there and see if it actually is good. And then we can get word back Uh, to earth for plan a right and plan a is moving the earth earth's current population to the new earth
0: and they were going to accomplish that because the NORAD facility Michael Caine while he's walking uh, Matthew McConaughey through the facility he goes do you notice anything strange about the facility and he sees that the whole facility is shaped like a centrifuge and Michael Caine gives him the information this entire station is a spacecraft And if we find a viable planet, we're going to load as many people in
1: here as we can and fly to the new planet. Right. Exactly right. And the goal is to find a planet that's habitable and come back before they run out of fuel and are not able to. If that happens, they have to go with plan B. And plan B is they have tons of human embryos frozen and stored on their spaceship that they can— turn on, hatch, whatever you want to call it, and they will then continue to the human species on Earth 2 while everyone on Earth 1 dies Right to the blight. It's Noah's
0: Ark, effectively.
1: Right, Noah's Ark, except we're not taking all of the marsupials, those <laughs> suck, and no dogs yeah. or cats, uh, just humans.
0: It was also a really interesting, kind of incredibly pro-life moment in this movie as well. Um, mm-hmm. Because they set up this situation where, especially from from Brand's perspective, Michael Kane's perspective, not only was were, were embryos the continuation of uh, humanity, not only were they the future, if you will, and I believe right. the children are the future. That's uh, a joke for the people who grew up in the eighties that listen to our podcast, um, <laughs> but. They they were actually the only continuation of the species. They were the
1: only hope of the species, and from from from, a, from Professor Brand's point of view, yes, yes,
0: exactly. That's what that's what I'm getting at. And so, okay. uh, I thought it was really interesting how you take the political striping off of some of those concepts and put it into a hard scientific uh, setting and a narrative setting, and then it becomes obvious. You know, yeah, uh, it. You don't even question it. Yeah when they yeah, present not, in that setting. So minor point, but I thought, I thought it, I, thought it I, I think it's interesting from a cultural perspective when ever a movie talks about embryos or, um, or, uh, ungestated human beings, if you will. And, and mm-hmm. we all just go, yeah, that makes sense. Those are humans. You know what I'm saying? Right. Anyhow, yeah, no doubt. Um, so that's plan B. Well, they go and they start exploring these other plants. There's some really cool moments that happen there.
1: Uh, we could get into. I don't think we will right now, but okay, that sounds good. the The only one I want to talk about is the second planet, anyway. Because I, I, the one I, I think Doctor Man, yeah, yeah, yeah Doctor Man. I think I think that is like the only interesting bit. But we can leave that alone for for right now if you think that's good.
0: Well, there's a really cool moment on the first planet where you deal with special relativity and the fact that time right. is, uh, at least the way we experience it, linear but not constant. And mm-hmm. uh, so that was really interesting to me. And then mm-hmm. why don't you go ahead? We'll talk about the, the Matt Damon planet. There was a lot of interesting things narratively that happened there.
1: I think the first thing that's like interesting to note is when Anne Hathaway and Cooper are sitting on the ship and they're talking about all the people who have gone before them. Uh, this is before they freeze themselves, before they get to the wormhole on Saturn. And they're just kind of flipping through and talking about all the scientists who have gone before them and just like discussing who they were and having that conversation. And Anne makes a comment, or uh, Dr. Brand makes a comment that essentially leading to the idea that there is no evil in the world. Um, mm-hmm. And what she says, she says simply something like, do you think like when a, when a predator kills its prey, is that evil? When something when a storm happens, is that evil? And really she's just saying that that's just nature, right? There's nothing wrong with it. Right. And then Matt Damon makes this excellent point is, so the only evil we're taking, we're, we're, we're so the only evil is the, is the ones we're taking with us. Yeah. That which which is, which, this. Yep. which is just basically saying that the only thing that's truly evil is man, right? Which is such a good line and such a good idea to show you how like, open Cooper's eyes are to, to man's spirit, right. right? And so this entire journey pretty much goes off without a hitch for most part. They're battling the elements. They're struggling. They're striving, yada, yada, yada. But everybody still is staying tight to the mission. And then they come to Matt Damon's planet. And to bundle it all up, Dr. Man, Matt Damon's character, basically lied about the conditions of his planet. There is no surface. It's all frozen, the air is unbreathable, and the only water is frozen. And so he was so nervous that he was going to be abandoned there that he basically started sending out data saying his planet was habitable and telling people to come to it so that he would be saved, Mm -hmm. right? And so that he could see another human being. Uh, When he gets discovered about that, he attempts to kill Cooper, and he actually succeeds in killing another scientist, um, yep. the and it's this. And I was sitting here l- watching this moment. Just, just to this, be clear,
0: this, his goal is to steal the space shuttle that they came to to visit his planet on and take it back to Earth. Is his goal cor-
1: correct? He wants. He wants out. Aw- he wants out. He, he's done. He 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 was not prepared for the sacrifice he needed to make. Right. Um. And to me, I was thinking through this, and I I typically think of evil as hatred for being itself. That's what I typically. Th- point to evil and the interesting part about dr man is i think he is the evil that can be accomplished by by cowardice yes and that's what he represents and i and i kind of was wrestling with that idea because i don't think it's that's not naturally what i think about when an evil but like if you're not willing to if you're not willing to make the sacrifice if you're not willing to stare into the void and you're not willing to take on that burden there's a chance that in that fear you could you can uh, Doctor Man almost dooms humanity. Yeah, right. Absolutely, he almost dooms humanity, and that's kind of the message there. And I just think, I think it's such, it's such a cool thing because the first planet is essentially nature as, you know, the destructive force, mm-hmm. and then Planet Two, it's just man. And I love the scene too, Christopher, when the when the camera zooms out, and Nolan does such a good job with making violence just happen. Yeah, right. With not, there's no pretense to it a lot of the time it's just oh violence is occurring and just that fight on the planet is just so primitive and it's like doesn't matter if we don't have guns doesn't matter if we're in spacesuits doesn't matter where we're at human beings will fight to kill each other for survival you know and we'll do we'll do it tooth and claw if we have to and it's really powerful anyway
0: i I think you're absolutely right hunter and of course there's there's so many ways to take the first planet as far as how it is used narratively in the movie like uh there's this whole environmental angle with it where earth is dying and what's really killing us is scarcity and earth is characterized by scarcity. Right. And there's this whole, sure. you could go down the whole environmentalist rabbit trail. I'm not that interested in it right now. Uh, on the second planet, you're exactly right. It's, it's evil. It's man's evil that almost dooms right. them on the second planet and almost dooms humanity itself. Uh, and I, I think it's a wonderful place to juxtapose Cooper and, uh, and Matt Damon's character. Give me his name one more time.
1: Doctor, Dr. Doctor Man.
0: Dr. Mann. It's a perfect place to juxtapose those two because one of right. them had their eyes wide open. Well, he he mm-hmm. said the only evil is that which we're taking with us. And yeah. not only, and we'll get into more of this later, but that mentality, I think the way you put it, was that his eyes were open, that mm-hmm. he was aware, uh, mm-hmm. that he was paying attention mm-hmm. to the things that were happening around him, and it allowed him to correctly classify other people, his own actions, his own desires, um, in a proper a proper system, giving preference to the correct thing. Right? Dr. Mann did not have his eyes open. He wasn't correct. able to do that. And so I liked how you put it that evil is uh, it's despising the idea of being itself. But a, maybe a better definition would be not only can you accomplish evil by doing that which you know to be wrong, But you could also accomplish evil by not doing everything good that it would be in your power to do. And when you start classifying good and evil by that way, it's pretty easy to see where you fall short really quickly. Because I didn't do anything openly destructive today is way different than I might have been destructive by my own laziness or negligence or cowardice today. And that's that's a hard order to fill. But that's exactly what Dr. Mann did. He right. he was motivated by cowardice, and we've said it before on the show. You know, the world doesn't need any more any more cowards, especially any how, more cowardly men.
1: How bone chilling is the line too when he goes, "Do you see? Do you see your children?" Right? Yeah. That is like he he does that whole speech about what you see when you die. Cracks his helmet, and as he's dying, is like. I can't be with you, which is obvious. He's a coward, mm-hmm. right? But then, but then, as he's leaving, him to go. Do you see your children? It's just like.
0: It, it shows you it shows wild. you how vile cowardice can be. Right, I, exactly, th- exactly right. The uh, it, there's a a bunch of instances that you could point to through history where evil might have been further the the goal of evil and the the a uh, will of evil if you will was furthered more by uh cowards backed into a corner than evil men with a gun you know
1: that was i think that's what solzhenitsyn would say right Potentially. it's like yeah it was i don't know exactly but his 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 notion about communist russia is the fact that everyone failed not that stalin happened right Right, right. So, so anyway,
0: anyway, great scene, great to analyze. Really cool. Go watch that. Yeah. Uh, then let's let's move on. So we learn in the course of them going to these two planets that uh, Brand, Doctor Brand, the old
1: man, mm-hmm. Professor Brand,
0: actually, if you don't get it right, I'll get mad. Actually, <laughs> knew the entire time. Yeah. That the spaceship was not the the spaceship giant centrifuge in the norad base was never going to fly it was never his intention to make it fly um he assumed he needed data from a singularity yeah he needed some data that he assumed was impossible and at the time he made the movie the scientific fact and a bunch of stephen hawking's work would have backed him up actually Right, exactly right. So he knew it would be impossible that they would never get it to fly because he needed data from inside of a singularity. A singularity is a a unification of space-time, mass, energy into a single substrate typically thought to perhaps be existent in the cores of supermassive black holes because of the intense warping of um, space-time, anything past the event horizon perhaps... Where space is expanding at a rate faster than the speed of light could escape, would create this kind of timeless, voidless, infinite spike in the fabric of space-time, thus creating a singularity. Anything that got that close to it, at least with our current technology, would get destroyed. Even if something could get in, it couldn't get back out to share the data, so there was no way he would get this data. It was effectively a catch-22. You go in, you're obliterated, you stay out, you don't get the data, and you're obliterated. So they figure out that it was always his intention to send the embryos to whatever planet they found viable, and so go with Plan B, right? Which had a bunch of personal story ramifications for uh, Cooper and Doctor Mann, his daughter, uh, because they didn't know that they were leaving. Brand, they yeah, Doctor Brand, sorry, because they didn't know that they were leaving on what was a mission to emails. abandon Earth, right? And abandon right. their children, abandon their relationships, abandon their friends. They thought they were. They thought they were looking for the escape route for everyone that they love. Turns out the escape route was never on the table.
1: Right. Right, right, right. Plan B was always plan A.
0: Right. And that's, that's one thing I love about, about, uh, Professor Brand's character, Michael Caine's character on his deathbed. Mm-hmm. When he reveals this information to Murph Cooper's daughter, he recites part of the poem that Hunter was yeah. talking about And it's this you know, rage, rage against the dying of the light. It's a man that not only sacrificed his body, but sacrificed his soul to continue on the human race. And there's a real Christ-like moment that happens with him. uh, Because you kind of see him as this evil guy that tricked everyone. And I had a totally different perception of it when I watched it. Because he Mm. was the man that was willing to take on the sin of the world. He was willing to take on the destruction of his own moral character, the destruction of his own moral being, the destruction of his soul. Lying to people, sending them on a mission, knowing they would never see their friends and family and children and loved ones again. And he was willing to take all that to the grave, almost, if it meant that humanity might have a way, might find salvation. There's a really... His sacrifice, in my opinion, was at least that of Cooper's and I think much greater um, hmm. because he obviously wasn't a man that was motivated by malice. He was a man that was motivated by pragmatism right, and, and compassion, I think. And it drove him to say, fine, I will take the sin of lying and die with it if it means that we might be saved. And I thought that was a really
1: beautiful moment. I, I I well um, I I will say I will say this I don't think the movie expects you to take it that way
0: I don't think so either um, at least not at I face also, value
1: and I would also say um, it also seems to me strangely enough uh, Professor Brand's story is one of human sacrifice right mm-hmm. we we kill everybody today to have the next generation. Right. Yeah, and that that essentially is like that same vein of like burying babies in the posts of the building you're going to build so that the foundation stays. Right. Well, there's you know definitely
0: I mean? a eugenics angle to it. Although I think he earnestly believed that there was no saving these people anyway, so he would do what he had to do to ensure someone survived. You know what I'm
1: saying? I, I, I do. I think it's a lack of faith, which I think is kind of his point when he says that too. That's totally
0: there as well. They obviously round that out later in the
1: film. Right. And I think that's kind of like it's faith in the ghost, right? It's faith that the ghost means something. And then it's also faith in the human spirit to overcome the impossible. Mm -hmm. And to me, those are the two sins that Bran commits. Right. Right. Is he, he, he loses sight of that. and, in order to gain it, see this is the th- this is the one thing I don't necessarily like about your take on him. In order, it's not that he he does something evil, right? W- and that is a line. And he thinks the cost of that is him to some extent, right? And that's actually not true.
0: Okay, right? so I agree. I agree sure with I'm... where you're going with this. I agree with okay. your take. What I'm saying is, okay. isolated inside of his mind, what he was okay. doing was incredibly noble
1: it was sure also, no, it's, it, it was flawed It's and human it's better than killing people right i'll give you that you know what i mean like yeah. i get you he was trying to do his best but yeah i think mm-hmm. he i think he i think he made some key uh errors in his judgment which is why cooper i think triumphs in the end right, right. obviously well a sense okay. even <laughs> and yeah yeah, 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 yeah. and
0: he, he he does lack faith i think he assumes the christlike position and says i i will be strong where I don't trust others to be strong, and and that was yeah. his mistake. I think is what you're getting at.
1: Yeah, 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 it's almost like a tyrant Jesus. Yes,
0: yeah, that's a fine right. way of putting
1: it. Right, which which is better than just being a tyrant, uh, you know. Right. But, by the way, well, but Cooper well, assumes it, the more Jesus approach.
0: He was. He was. Let me think of how to classify this correctly.
1: He was. Okay.
0: The savior don't
1: take Jesus away for me. The
0: savior that didn't give you free will.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah exactly right. Like, listen up, kiddos. I'm Stalin, but I'm good.
0: <laughs> don't do any murders out there, or I'll kill you. Um <laughs> don't do any murders. So anyway, um let's get
1: I think that's good though. I think that's good though, because it's important to it's important to look at that character and go, guess what? Even when you're doing everything you know to be right, you can still be wrong. Right, yeah. I think that's really important to think through. And
0: that was his raging against the dying of the light. That was his, there's yeah. no more rules now. I have to make yeah. this work. And I'll use yeah. other people if it means that we might survive. Uh, right. A beautiful moment, no matter what, you, what your analysis is. Um, yeah. A very yeah, 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 a very yeah, yeah, powerful yeah. moment. So uh, Merv, of course, freaks out a little bit. She's mad at her dad. She's like, did you know that you were leaving me? Et cetera, ad nauseum.
1: Because she doesn't know if he did or
0: not. So when, when Matt Damon, Dr. Man, is trying to escape, he basically, long story short, uh, crashes the spacecraft. And they're leaking fuel, and they're spinning, and they're wasting uh, efficient movement that they need to return home. And it becomes clear that they only have enough fuel to go to the last planet, not to return to Earth. So... Uh, Cooper decides along with one of the android uh, counterparts cars, CAPS yeah,
1: butthead, yeah. who
0: cares um, yeah. that he will drop himself into a black hole and see if he can't send data back out of it and so he does this and I'm just gonna I'm, I'm not going to explain a lot of this I'm going to rush through it he and the other android drop into the black hole and they cannot send data out of it. It is, it is um, impossible for them to breach the surface. However, when he drops in, he discovers that he is in a singularity. And he's in a singularity of space and a singularity of time. And the, the nexus that he falls into is centered around his daughter's bedroom. And go watch it for yourself, because like I said, this is one of the best 3D visual representations, I think, of non-Euclidean geometry and non-Euclidean space. And it gives you a way that you could you could uh, envision it. And he, Cooper comes to the realization, two realizations. One, that there was no other beings that were calling out to him from the void. There was no uh, strange fifth-dimensional creature that reached out and shook uh, Dr... Dr. Brand's hand on the space flight, Anne Hathaway's hand, he realizes that it was him, or at least that it was humanity, and that he's, at some point, humans ascended, they reached the singularity, and they created this space for him by which he could save the world. And so he starts pushing books off the bookcase, trying to get his daughter's attention, which was happening back in the movie with the ghost. And long story short, it culminates in that he is able to send the, quote, data needed from the singularity back to Merv on Earth via a watch that he gave her when she he was leaving so that they could compare how much time had changed between when he left and when he returned. And he uses the second hand on the clock and manipulates it with gravity distortions, effectively, um, to make it send code in binary to Merv so that she can complete the work on um, basically uh, gravity gravity sail travel so that she can save the planet. And she ends up doing it. And the very end of the movie, they find Cooper. We don't really know what happened to him in the intervening period because he passes out after he sends this message, more or less. But they find him floating around the entrance to the wormhole near Saturn. They pick him up. He's about to die. They pick him up, and at the end of the movie, he gets to see his daughter again, who is now on her deathbed. She's an old woman because he spent so much time in the singularity, um, where time traveled exceptionally slowly. And uh, it ends with her dying, surrounded by her children and her children's children now, and him going back to find Anne Hathaway on the final planet to start establishing a new, more permanent colony. So that yeah. that's kind of how the movie tidies itself up. Um, I've talked I've talked a lot in a row, Hunter. What are your thoughts on that last <laughs> scene? Because I have a bunch. So
1: I I will say this: the the mythological work of the male and female roles with Cooper and Anne. Uh, Cooper and Dr. Brand are really just cool. Um, f- one thing is, and also in a strange way, they both represent those spirits and they both are undying, right? They outlive the normal lifespan right. to some extent, yeah. right? Which is pretty cool because um, you can't really do that in other stuff unless you cheat, right? You say magic, right? And so right. this is theoretically possible. Okay. Um, Cooper is a pilot who lives in the sky, right? And is a spirit of masculine adventure. And what I love throughout the movie is you constantly see this image of him looking at planes and getting excited. And you see he has this cowboy aspect to himself, right? And even now, after he's even been to the Singularity, he still looks at planes like he's excited about them. He walks past them in that one scene and looks through the window and stops and just has to stare at them. Mm -hmm. Anne Hathaway is now this mother on the new earth right right which is the ground and you know the earth is mom right to some extent yeah and she has all the future children of mankind with her right absolutely so her job her job is raising these people so you have a meeting of the sky god and the mother earth yeah that's going to happen here in the final scenes that you don't actually get to see where the where uh Cooper essentially is flying to her through space. And then you can kind of figure this out. They're going to be husband and wife. They are going to carnally know each other. And it's so interesting too, that it actually like plays out in that same, like we have a new cosmogony on this new planet. Right. that is actually enacted by these two people embracing and the same way that they would mythologically. And it's like, you, you it's obvious that that isn't like finagled in there like nobody tried to like wrench that that's who these characters are we all know the you know the crazy pilot and we all know the 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 scientist that loves her work and then it just sort of like you just see it happen before and you're like oh my god this is so strange this is uh you know this is this is uh the greek cosmogony you know this is uh g- this is uh jehovah making the planet from the void you know it's everything all at the same time and it's just so crazy dude anyway that that was my two cents
0: they really did they really did make the planet you know it it was Yeah, yeah, yeah it was uh it was Anne hathaway who who fertilized the ground and it was it was well let me put it really distinctly it was matthew mcconaughey in this sense that carved that carved humanity out, that formed the new humanity mm-hmm. and allowed them to enter paradise through, yeah, exactly. through the sin of the old Gar, through the sin of humanity. Yeah. Because he did not, because he was able to overcome, he ascended into the same realm that in theory God lives in. And Right and form them out of the failures of those that came before. It, it, it is really a, a numa ish geared, almost caliber tale. They are Abzu and Tiamat, or Rama and Gaia in a bunch of ways.
1: Right, um, right, right, right. right.
0: Which really, it was super interesting to see. Uh, that because he, he literally goes to the place where gods go. Now there was a human centrist element where God turns out to be humans. And of course, yeah,
1: that was the only thing that I was just kind of like, meh, wah, yeah, wah, wah. it's not, yeah, a, just meh.
0: Yeah. It's just meh. But, but the method by which you transport yourself to the realm of the gods remains the same, right? It, right. it is by dealing forth rightly with the evil in the universe. By the realities of life. And, and that part of the story uh, was impactful to, I'm sure, everybody who's watched it, simply because that's a real story. That's how life right. really works. Um, right, yeah. It's the idea that, that, you know, you're not Christ because you've sinned, but who said you had to? Well, your humanity mm. said you had to, but what if you transcended that humanity? Why couldn't you be as effective as him as, you know, you never will be, but, but it's taking seriously the idea that if you could figure it out and get it right. I
1: think it's saying, I think it's saying that there's absolutely nothing better to do with your time than that. Right. Like regardless, regardless if you can, regardless if you can ever get there, it's like, what else are you going to do? Well, you know, and, and I think it's like, if you're really, 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 really lucky, (laughs) You can carve enough of you out of the way to let that out, uh,
0: right? You know, and, and to do that, I think, and this is kind of the point I was driving towards. To do that, you have to take seriously the idea that if you got it perfect, it would change the world. That you would right. become more powerful than you could possibly imagine, Obi Wan Kenobi. If you were able right. to separate yourself in that way, now that doesn't right. mean you have. You that's believe because. You can that's a, because. A
1: that's because from our, our perspective, like you're, you're actually, it's it's not necessarily you, it, 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 it's the fact that God through you. Right, right. Right. It's like, it's like that ideal, which is God, then has a clear window into this world. It's like a portal. It's like a black, it's like a, it's like a wormhole to that point, if you will. Right. For sure. For
0: sure. Yeah. Wormhole is not exactly right, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah.
1: It's the portal, which is like the, which is why you always see like The Virgin Mary is in a is in a is always in like a ellipsis or oval, yeah, right, yeah, and then and light shines through it, right, because she's not of here, right, you know. So
0: well, and it's the same idea. Like if you believe truly that God was or Jesus rather was fully man and fully human, then Mm -hmm. it stands to reason that because you're not God, then you can't obtain what He obtained. But if you did, He was also fully man and so there's nothing about his goodness that would be restricted from you that you would right. have the same that that there's nothing inhuman about what he was able to do it was simply that it's his godhood had allowed him to do it perfectly and if you yeah. take that idea yeah. seriously well it's kind of like what we were saying earlier about uh professor professor brand right like he he not only is held accountable for the evil he did, but also the good that he didn't do. Well, if you right. did all of the good, right? Um, then then why can't you actually make a dent and actually make a difference and, and move things not just in your own relationships, but ha- perhaps ripple throughout space and time and energy and matter and the singularity itself. I mean, it takes that idea seriously and then we get to watch it play out on the screen. I think that's one right. of the reasons that it's so impactful because that is the, well, that is the proper alignment of our souls with the universe.
1: Yeah, yeah, I love that, man. I feel like there's so much here, and I feel like there's so many good things this movie gets right. Like, I love uh, Donald uh, Cooper's father. Yeah, he's the, he's the blind father in the belly of the whale, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and then you see Cooper almost acts like a Geppetto. Right, and he wants what he wa- he wants his children to grow up to be themselves, right. like he hates the fact that his son is going to be a farmer, but if his son wants to be a farmer, he wants his son to be a farmer, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, and he gives he even tells Murph like the meaning of her name, right, which is anything that can happen will happen, yeah. and that's what he wants for her right law. and then right, exactly, and then you see the um you actually see like the right left. Uh, spirit play out in his two children which the conservative son stays and farms while the um, uh, the open daughter moves forward and 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 puts together the science that saves mankind right mm-hmm. and it's like you need both of those people you can't have just one and the other yeah. and they conflict and it can be violent at times but they need each other and they have they have an embraced it I think he just go through... run on corn too. <laughs> exactly right exactly right she couldn't have done it without the corn man so like i just feel like this movie over and over and over and over again and this is the thing i like about nolan is his storytelling is just so tight and so good and so interesting and his characters are so strong and then he packages it in this um it's kind of hard to call it realistic because there's no way it is but he packages it in this like very well thought through scientific endeavor. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and like almost like scientific myth telling. Right. And I think, I think it, I kind of, th- I think it kind of speaks for itself. The only thing about it that I think just kind of detracts from it in some way is because it has that packaging. It requires something of the viewer to like be engaged with that material to some extent to actually like enjoy it and not feel like, not feel like they're an idiot when they're watching it. Yeah. Right. Like I, I don't get what's going on what do you what's happening It's a um, it's an but,
0: active watch for sure
1: Yeah exactly right So hey
0: I but yeah man. I saw another movie as we're wrapping up here that literally there I will be peeling layers of this onion for the next three months in my mind I don't even know if we could talk about it on the podcast because I probably would look like oh, so really? idiot so much of an idiot <laughs> um, Mother Memento right mother. Oh never mind Holy <laughs> cow Mother is mother brutal and very hard to watch, but a heck of a movie, a heck of a oh, movie. Really? We'll have to talk about it sometime. Okay, cool. At any rate, cool. uh, let us know via our email or our social media. If you'd like to see us dissect that and let us know what you think of these uh, types of shows in general, we've done this to a couple of our favorite films
1: and uh, have we done it beyond the count of Monte Cristo
0: I, at this point? I feel like we have, but perhaps we haven't Hunter. Um, I know we've dissected other bits of art or uh, the, the, um,
1: I think we did some with star wars oh that's right that we did star wars about as well it. yeah so yeah.
0: let us know what you think about this it's different than some of our stricter uh topic shows and kind of dive deeps deep so on a, you know we're diving deep on an individual piece of media or piece of art as it were so uh let us know what you think uh, also thank you so much we've gotten ratings on itunes we've gotten some uh some new friends and followers on our social media accounts thank you for everybody that is uh that is engaging with us we want to hear from you we want to discuss your questions your ideas on the show so uh send us an email at carlpooling at gmail.com or hit us up on any of our social media it's at carlpooling on facebook um actually at carlpooling podcast on facebook and then um on twitter and instagram at carlpooling our website's carlpooling.com you can find all of our useful links uh, etc ad nauseum there hunters at emotional carl on twitter and instagram and i'm at chris x carl and leave us a rating on itunes uh we love your dirty dirty clicks it's the the do only we? reason we're here
1: that's what it says on my tramp stamp <laughs> oh, which i have a complicated dear. set of mirrors to read and if you have a tramp stamp, one mirror <laughs> there's really only one thing you can do at this point to yeah. ensure no
0: that you are no. healthy enough. Why do I
1: always set this up?
0: To engage in a fulfilling, mature, monogamous relationship, and that is <sighs> to get tested.